Welcome to the Home Staging Show podcast, the show where we dive deep into the world of home staging and how to build a thriving and vibrant home staging business. I'm your host Nilin, and in each episode, we explore the latest trends, strategies, and also art of building a vibrant and thriving home staging business. Welcome back to the show. This is episode one seventy nine. Before we start the show today, here is a message from our sponsor. We all need powerful statistics to convince potential clients of the benefits of home staging. Stageflow takes away the pain of having to filter spreadsheets or doing calculations. You enter what you know about every sale of the homes that you've staged and let Stageflow do the rest. Easy, real-time statistics for the home staging market. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. So, first of all, I'm really sorry about my voice. I know it's very congested and very nasally. Unfortunately, I've been getting over a cold for the past two weeks, and this is really as good as it gets at this point with my voice. So, I do apologize. I sound a little bit different, but I think it's only in the intro, so you'll probably be fine. Today, I have Eileen on the show to talk about mobile home staging, and it's something I find very fascinating about. Because I've actually never met any stager who has done mobile home staging, it's something obviously not really common in my market. So something I'm really excited to talk to people about. And actually, also one of the listeners wrote in requesting a topic like this. So I thought it was perfect that I have Eileen to come on the show to talk about her process of how she approaches mobile home staging. Eileen is a former first grade teacher who decides to pursue her passion of design. She returned to school and acquired a degree in interior design. Her family also owns a real estate brokerage, so home staging is a natural fit for her passion and skill set. She lives in a rural community, so she has a broad range of staging opportunities from mobile homes to million-dollar properties. All right, so let's start the show. Hi, Eileen. Welcome to the show. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your home staging business? Well, yes. Um, I am a former first grade teacher who at some point decided to go back and get a degree in interior design. And so I worked in the interior design field for years and then moved to a, a rural community where there wasn't really much interior design work to be done. So I didn't really do anything. And I was visiting my daughter in San Diego, who was a real estate agent at the time. And she said, mom, you should be a home stager. You totally have a skill set for that. And so I, I didn't even know what it was. This was about five years ago. So I we went to look at some staged homes. And I'm like, this would be easy. you know. <laughs> so I think I would like to do this. And we have had a real estate, our own brokerage for years. So I thought, well, I'll just throw my shingle out and start marketing myself as a home stager and uh, realized pretty quickly I had a lot to learn. There, there's a lot of difference between interior design work and home staging. So I got some certification and education and uh, joined a few professional real estate staging associations and have learned a lot through them. And then I was off and running, got my business open and got busy. That's amazing. I didn't know you have a real estate brokerage. What's that like? Um, well, my husband runs that. So, you know, we have agents and we do all kinds of things from sell you a lot to sell you 8,500 acres. We are investors as well and have flipped several homes. So, and now we split mobile homes. 
That's so, incredible. Well, you're going to dive into mobile homes today, like a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tell us a little bit about your real estate market and the typical work that you do for your staging business. Well, we are in a pretty rural area. A lot of farmland and countryside around us. Our community is fairly small, maybe 40,000 people in our hometown. But we live near Gainesville, Alachua County. We're in the north central Florida. And Gainesville, there's around, I would say, 150,000 people. So it's not a huge area. But in the the county is more like 280,000 people. So these mobile homes are everywhere. So I'm, I don't think I've done one in a, an actual, in Gainesville yet, but I've done them all over the county. They're like out in the country or sometimes they're in the little small communities. They'll be right in that community. So that's, that's where we are. Our market has slowed down quite a bit, like everybody else's, but it seems like the properties that 250,000 or maybe 300,000 and below are still selling real quick quickly and we have you know low inventory so that's an issue but we're still selling a lot of mobile homes how did you get into staging mobile homes it's just because they're everywhere in where you work well i had worked for an investor who is staging his homes that he he flipped and they were site built homes and so I had a friend who in Jacksonville who had done some mobile homes and I thought, gosh, that'd be interesting. I'd love to get one of those. But, you know, none, I didn't think that was really an opportunity for me. And then one day he gave me, called me up and said, here's an address. Go look at it. Tell me when you can do it. And I drove up to it and lo and behold, it was a mobile home. So I was super excited about that. And then we had a lot of success with that mobile home. So he started actively looking for them. So we've done a lot. I think I've done in the last six weeks, I've probably done four. That's amazing. Can you define what a mobile home is? Because I think for some of our listeners, if they're in the urban area, they might not know what exactly is a mobile home. Yes. Well, mobile homes are actually built in a factory. They're not built on the site where they're going to be placed. Like we, we call that a site built home. And it's fascinating to watch them being built. They start in a, a welding shop area and they are, the frames are put together. It's a metal frame that's put together. And from there, then they go into a production line, into a factory. And some of these large factories can have around 200 people that work in there. And they have every trades person that a regular site built home would have. You know, they have the framers and the roofers and the tile layers and the cabinet installers and plumbers and electricians. And as the thing progresses down the production line, that next step is made. So they're transported down the highway. So that's really the only limitation. I've done, I mean, I know there are mobile homes up to 3,600 square feet. So the limitation is the height of it because you have to go under overpasses and bridges. So, but they, they managed to do some vaulted ceilings in them. They're not big, huge ones, but you know, it does make it feel a little more open. So that's basically what a mobile home is. It's mobile and you can take it and move it somewhere else. Even after you put it in one spot, if you want to move, you can move it to another spot. That's incredible. I think it was funny because you were in my six-week marketing workshop. And then in the beginning, you talk about you stage mobile home. And I, I knew nothing of staging mobile home. Mm-hmm. And I was so shocked when I saw your portfolio photo. I was like, wow, some of these are huge. Because you have had five-bedroom ones. Yes. They're yeah. incredible because I always thought like mobile homes are itty bitty and I didn't well, think 
they could be huge. I've done one that was about 14 feet wide. It was a single wide mobile home. So when you walked in the door, it didn't go any deeper. It, it was wider. And I think it was about maybe 70 feet long. But those are the single wides. But then you can buy double wides or triple wides. And those will come on multiple trucks. Because, you know, you can't go any wider than the, the road, your your lane. I see them going up and down roads all the time here. They're they're taking one to install or put it together. But, you, yeah, you can get some pretty big ones. That's um, incredible. And so what are some of the misconceptions? I think we talked about it earlier, one of them is size, right? Because usually people think mobile homes are quite small. But what are some other common misconceptions when it comes to mobile homes? Well, if you're buying a new one, I think people think that they are inexpensive. But if you're buying a new mobile home and one of the bigger ones, then the price point can be up there. But I think people's misconception today is that they're poorly made. They think they're kind of shabby construction and really, they're not. I know friends that have a manufacturing plant, and some of theirs are built with two by sixes instead of two, the traditional two by fours that you would see in a site built home. And I live in Florida, so they have to be up to codes for hurricanes. So they're they're not poorly made. They're usually well constructed. The newer ones. Now, some of them that I work on are 20, 25 years old, and those standards are not what they are today. And I think a lot of people think they're old fashioned looking or they're maybe for old people, but it's really an affordable way that young families can get into a, a home and maybe they buy a piece of property and then they have a mobile home put on it or they just buy a mobile home that's already there that's for sale. So it's more affordable housing, I would I would think, you know, typically, but they follow the trends like everybody else. It's not old fashioned. You know, I've seen them with barn doors. We we completely gutted one and put in really nice cabinets, granite countertops, subway tile, freestanding tubs. You can do anything typically that you would do in a site-built home. So fascinating. What type of clients do you usually get working with mobile homes? Is it usually investors or homeowners or do you get both? Well, for me, it's just been investors. Typically, I would say the people that are selling the ones that, that he buys would not have the disposable income to hire a home stager. But I mean, I can see where some mobile home owners would because some of these are really nice. So, but for me, it's been just investors. I have two investors mainly that do the mobile homes. Well, they do a lot of different kinds of investing, but they've done a lot of mobile homes and I've staged all of them for them. So basically, it's investors for me. Yeah. I remember you said one client sent you 47 last year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds like staging mobile home is really common in your area, but do you find that you still have to do a lot of education in terms of why people should stage your mobile homes? Well, really, it's, I don't think it's that common for anybody other than investors. And well, you have to educate your investor just like you would have to educate anybody, you know, a real estate agent or a homeowner on why they should do it. And, you know, what the processes are, but not a lot of education. I mean, really, when you're working with investors, you only have to educate that one, one time, and then you just do it over and over and over. So I, I don't do a lot of educating, but in the beginning, when I'm working with somebody new, I will have to explain why we do what we do. Typical things you would explain to a, a real estate agent or a homeowner. Yeah. And how do you approach staging a mobile home differently than a typical residential staging project? Well, 
Not really any differently. I mean, I researched the area just like I would for a site-built home, study the demographics of who might be the most likely buyer for that mobile home. So I don't think there's a lot of difference in that way. I typically use a lot of color and I find that in the higher end homes, people want more neutral things. But I find that the mobile home buyers really like color. So while I use neutral things as far as upholstery or rugs and things like that, I'll bring a lot of color in with pillows and throws and artwork. And they they like that. They're not going to be your well-traveled, sophisticated buyer, but you know they watch HGTV just like anybody else does and are picking up the magazine. So they know what's out there and, and they want a good look as well. They want a, a home they can fall in love with. Yeah, I think it's human nature, right? We want to live in a nice environment. Mm-hmm, it is. And when you're working with your investors, do they usually know what they want or is it something that they leave it up to you? They leave it up to me. They're busy doing what they do. So they appreciate having somebody that can just come in and take the job over and get it done. I mean, like I say, they will call me and say, here's the address, run out and tell me when you can do it and send me a contract. So I might not even see them the rest of the process. You know, I'll just send them an invoice and we're off and running and get it done. I'll just, and I send them a snapshot when I'm leaving and say, we're all done, ready to have the photographs made tomorrow. And, And I provide the photographs for all those in my contract. So then we send them right to the agent and, and probably two days after their six or three days after the stage, it's on the market. That's very cool. And how do you determine the target buyers? How do you do research around that? Especially I think with mobile homes, a lot of times they're on the lot, right? So it might be a bit mixed in terms of how, like who live in them or who buy into those lots. Well, the ones I do are already on, on a piece of property. So I'm not dealing with people that are buying it at a mobile home lot. You know, I'm buying one that's already installed and and, uh, just needs to be made better. But I look at what the surrounding properties in that area are offering. So for example, a lot of these mobile homes are in the country. So I look to see if there are horses nearby, because I think that if they're, I found one thing, horse people like to be around horse people. And so if it's on some acreage, maybe three or four acres, and you have to know what it's zoned. It would have to be an ag- agricultural zoning in order to be able to put horses on it. But I might think, well, maybe these people are, are going to come because they're horse people out here, you know, and they would have neighbors that have horses. So then I might throw in like a piece, piece of art that has a horse on it or some books around that have deal with horses. So that's a, I find a lot of people out in these rural areas do want horses. And so I, I can stage it that way. Another thing that we have here. Now, while I live as far away from a beach as you can in Florida, we have a lot of water sports are very common in our area. We live, we have some major rivers. We have a lot of springs that people come from all over the world, actually, to swim in these springs and do cave diving. And we have lakes everywhere. So a lot of mobile homes, parks, developers will put them in. And they are near these water areas, waterways. So as part of that development, now you might have the higher end homes right on the water, but maybe just a block away, you'll have these large developments where people put in mobile homes. And part of that development will have a park that has access to the water. So they can put their boats in there or they can put their tubes in there and go tubing or swimming or snorkeling, whatever they want to do. So if I'm near one of those types of 
properties, you know, I will be staging to appeal to that buyer. Maybe I have a big basket of snorkels and flippers and masks, you know, and somewhere in the house. And so that's a, a really big, big thing here. And people will do Airbnbs near these waterways, you know, so that they can lease them out and or rent them out for people that are wanting to vacation there. So that sounds amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> I want to go live in one right now. <laughs> It sounds so cool. And so do you also stage a lot of horse properties then? It sounds like it's very common in your area too. No, I really don't. That's about... And Ocala is huge for horse horse properties. They're about an hour and a half south of where I, I live. So I don't go that far. But I know there are stagers there that do a lot of horse properties. But I, I'm just out in the you know countryside staging these mobile homes. But I do notice that there will be horses around like three or four different properties will have them. So that might give me a heads up. Hey, these people might be looking out here because they want to have horses. That's incredible. So when you get a staging project for mobile homes, how do you tailor your design to appeal to the target buyers? Well, I guess in, in ways that we just talked about, you know, so the target buyer could be a rule it could, uh, with horses, it could be uh, they want to be there for water activities, but then some of them are just people that want to live out in the country. So, you know, I just look, look and see like I would in a traditional home what's it and what's around and and then study the demographics who are who is moving into that area and what might this buyer be, you know, or who might they be, what activities would they like. Yeah. And I'm curious too, who are your most common target buyers? What would you say? What would the most common demographics that you're staging for? Well, I think too, basically, I think young families, because it's an affordable way uh, that a young family can can get into a, a good home and have some property that their children can get out and run around in. You know, they don't want to be in the city. They want to be out so their children can get out and, and play safely. And so I think young families are one of the target markets and, and also people that are downsizing. We have a lot of retirees moving into Florida and they maybe came from a larger home, but they want to downsize so they can go into one of these three bedroom, two bath mobile homes. Maybe it's 14, 1500 square feet. And I see a lot of that as well. So I'd say those are the two biggest markets. But then, like you say, you know, I had a five-bedroom mobile home. Those are not uncommon. And that one was probably pushing 2,500 square feet. So, you know, there's, but I say young families, and it, it can be their way to get their foot in the door to the real estate market, and then retirees that are moving into Florida or buying a lot of mobile homes. In your experience, what are some of the most common challenges when it comes to staging mobile homes? And how do you work with that? Well, one of the the first one I did was an old one, and we couldn't get the well, we couldn't get the sofa through the door. So we took the unscrewed the legs and thought maybe that would work, and it was it still wouldn't go through. So we ended up having to take the whole door off. There was like a, a, a storm door, and then there was a masonite door for the front door, and so we just had to take those off. And then we just barely got it in. So it's made me be more cautious about what I take. It needs to be scaled so that you can get them in. Now, the the newer homes, you don't have that problem with. But the old, if it's an older one, you, you have to be careful about what you take. And if it, they're small, like a single wide, you have to take things that will fit. Another issue I've had with 
the older ones is a lot of the walls are the old paneled walls and it, they can be very dark and dingy. Sometimes the flippers will paint that paneling. Sometimes they don't. So they're dark. So I try to bring in a lot of lamps and lighting to, to really light it up. But the paneling, I found out it's difficult to get art to hang on there. So I, over the sofa, I had to put a big piece of art. And this one had a, a king size bed I put in the primary bedroom. And so I put a large piece of art over the bed. Well, when I went back to these days, that house, I had six pieces of art laying on the floor because they fell off the wall. So then we had to rethink how we hang art into these walls because they can be rather flimsy. So that's some of the challenges, you know, getting things in and out and the art and the lighting issues because they can be pretty dark. Yeah. And I would think with the smaller ones, like the single wide is going to be tricky to make it feel spacious. Mm -hmm. So what are some of your techniques for creating space in mobile homes? Well, you're right. These can be very, I think 13 feet can be the most that you work with those. So I don't take any large upholstered dining chairs. You know, I want to take a chair that has either spindle backs or a slatted back so that I can see through the chair and across the space. If I put a big upholstered or even a small upholstered chair, you know, it's going to stop the eye. So I want it to visually go through. I like to use mirrors. And especially if I can position a mirror so it's reflecting a window, that seems to help you get the light bouncing around the room. And it almost looks like another window, you know, because what it's reflecting is outside. And people love the organic qualities that when you bring that into the home. And another thing, I I don't try to chop these up with a lot of pattern. Like I use very neutral things like I would use in a regular uh, site-built home, but neutral upholstery, neutral rugs, just kind of keep the eye from bouncing around all over the place. But then I can bring color in through art and pillows and throws and things like that. And then I try to take tables like bedside tables that have legs on them as opposed to something that's more like a cube or a box so that the eye, again, can travel under that table. And like, so when you come in the door, sometimes you can see all the way under the table into the the wall. As you get closer to it, you know, you still can see under the table. It just helps to expand the space a little bit more. So I use a lot of console tables because they're leggy and helps space feel bigger. If you've got a big one, a double wide or triple wide, you can take anything you want in there. You've got the room to do it. So then it was just pretty much like approaching any sort of residential project, really. Yeah, really, it is. And how do you prioritize staging elements when you're working with a limited budget? Well, to me, the priority is always seating. We want to give them enough seats for the people that are living, going to be living in that home, whether it's seating for watching television or playing games or whether it's dining seating. To me, that's a priority. You have to be able to show, say, for example, if it's a three-bedroom mobile home, I'm going to show the minimum I would put in there. It would be four seats, seating for four. But usually I can get five in there and sometimes six, and especially dining. I mean, I've seen mobile homes or just any site-built homes, too, where maybe it's a three-bedroom and you're going to have minimum four people you're figuring around that table, but they've got a little small table in there with two chairs. Well, the buyer's going to walk in and say, this isn't going to work for me because we have two children, you know, or we have three children. So seating to me is priority and I'm going to make sure I get enough in there. 
Also, you know, if I have to scale back um, for budget, I might scale back on the number of pillows and artwork might be more limited, maybe one bigger piece rather than two or three smaller pieces, something big and impactful. So those are just ways I try to, to, and, and, you know, things can be multi-purpose. Like if you can only get seating for four, then you need to make, I'd like to make sure that the dining chair is pretty comfortable. So if they need to pull over a chair, if they have company come in, they can pull a chair over from the dining area and use that uh, to multi-purpose, you know, provide a little more seating. Yeah. When I used to stay, San Francisco has some smaller units as well. And my agents were really sticklers about the number of chairs in the dining room because they need to, like, they feel like the buyers need to know that, well, you know, there's three bedrooms or two bedrooms in here, but we got a dining table big enough for four people. So then in their mind, they feel like it's spacious. Yeah. And these people are probably having people come to dinner. You know, they'll have family members that come by or neighbors that come by or their children will have friends. So so if I have room, sometimes I'll just stick a little chair in, in a bedroom. Like it might be a chair for reading or just to, if they want to get out, out of the way, have their own little private space, but it's lightweight and portable. And they can always pick it up and bring it into the living area or the dining area if they need to. And logistics-wise, is that different to stage a mobile homes versus a home that is on site? No, no, I don't think so. Unless it's logistics like a small doorway where you, you know, you need to be careful about what you take. I learned that. Thankfully, I learned that on the first one I did, so I haven't made that mistake again. But the logistics are the same. We, you know, we load the truck the same. We go, we drive the same. Our processes and systems are the same. So it just fits right in with what we do. Yeah. And is a contract different as well? I mean, it's the length pretty similar to what you would do with regular residential homes. It's the same. My contracts are all for three months. And one of the things that I found about mobile homes is a lot of times people are getting an FHA loan and those take longer to process. So they need that three months. They're going that route. I, you know, we go right to the full three months and I've even had investors buy an extra month at the end of the three months because they're, they're close to the finish line, but they're not quite there yet. So they'll, they'll buy an extra month just to, you know, make sure it's, it's going to go through. So uh, yeah, those FHA loans can be very long, long process. So it helps them out. Yeah. Month contract. And where are some of the trends in mobile home staging and how do you stay up on trends? How do you stay up to date on what's new right now? Well, we do, you know, these buyers are are looking at the same things regular site-built home buyers are looking at. They're in the HGTV. They are picking up magazines in the grocery store. So they know what the trends are. And we just take that. You know, we our colors are changing because the gray trend is gone. So we're using more creams and warmer, like beiges, complex creams and beiges. We use like a little, the little, what do you call them? The little, they're like beads on a string. You know, those are kind of popular to throw around now. We take things like that in. We take anything we would take in a site built home, we'll take there because they're expecting to see those same things. Or if they're not expecting it, they're very surprised and, and pleased to see that, wow, this, you know, this could be my dream home. This is the way I want to live. So we take take the same type of things that we would put in a regular home. That's great. And going back to your background, you used to do a lot of interior design work. How do you find that translate in being a stager? Like, what would you say is the biggest challenge going from interior design to staging? 
I would say, well, for interior design work, the things that you're buying, the furnishings are more higher end, more luxurious. And these things that we're taking into a mobile home are more on the lower end. You know, I might be running into Ikea or Target or uh, Home Goods to pick up some inventory because, you know, that's what they're going to be buying anyway, because that's a price point. So I want to show them how they can take that lower price point product and still live large, you know, even though they might not be expecting that. So you can dress it up, you know, you can with pillows, throws, art, things like that. But I think that was the biggest challenge because I was designing for specific people before. It's just like staging. Now you're designing more for a different market. So yeah, that's really been a shift, but it's not bad because you can find really decent things at that lower price point too. Yeah. And I I think in some way it's more challenging because you have more of a budget restraint. Also, you need to make sure that the stuff you're putting into the homes fit with the lifestyle that the buyers have. So in a way, it's more challenging, but also probably more fun too, right? Because you have to be more creative. It is. It's fun. And it's so satisfying to hear about people who never thought they could even afford a home, you know, can afford a home now and get into it and have it be that home that they, they're dreaming about. So, you know, that's very rewarding. Yeah. And I know from our conversation during the marketing workshop, you actually really enjoy working with investors. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about what is it like to work with investors? How do you break into that? Because a lot of times, you know, investors are not like agents. You can't really Google them, except the one that joins associations, right? So how do you break into that? How do you find investor clients? Well, if you have if you live in an area that has a RIA, R-E-I-A, which stands for real estate investors. Association, you can meet tons of, and that's what it is. It's all investors. And there are a lot of real estate agents that are members of that too. And so for the first year, I was a member of Jack's RIA, which is a RIA over in Jacksonville. And they had something you could go to five nights a week. I mean, they were very, very active. And I met a lot of investors there. It turned out that Jacksonville just became too far for me to go to make it profitable. So I turned my focus to a more local area in Gainesville. And they have some RIAs. One's called Neighbor Makers, but they're small. And I would say each one doesn't have that many active investors. But uh, another way that you can you know, contact, I would say get involved in your local real estate association. So for example, I went to a, a quarterly luncheon last week and I ran into a girl that I had met about three years ago. I staged a home for her. And it wasn't a mobile home, but she said, you know, I need to get you to look at a house I have that's just been languishing on the market. And I said, well, shoot me the address and I'll go take a look. So long story short, I'm going to stage your house for her next Monday. So you have to be where they are and they are at these real estate functions. I participate in a trade show that they do every year. So I set up my little booth and um, I meet agents there. And a lot of these agents represent investors and they're they're listing their their flips, whether they're mobile homes or you know site built homes. So I think those are the two best ways to meet real estate agents. If you don't have a RIA, get involved with your local real estate association and you you will meet investors and people who know investors that way. Yeah, it's all about networking really. And you mentioned that you set up a booth at the trade show. How do you normally set up your booth? Like what does it look like? 
Well, we had to follow a theme this year and it had to be, it was something, oh, it had to be like with having to do with gas. So we, gas was like through the roof at the time. Our, our gas prices have come down some, but it was really high at that time. So we did a big map of the United States and we put uh, five cities on it. And we had a game, guess the gas. And so they had a little form that they could fill out what they thought the gas price was for that market. I think it was like New York and Miami and Chicago and LA and someplace in Texas, maybe Houston, I don't remember. But they would just write down the dollar amount they thought the gas was selling for in that. And we were giving away a $100 gift card. So I had two winners. So I had to go get another $100 gift card. But it was fun. And I got a lot of business cards that, you know, so I can put them on my emailing list and make a lot of contacts. So it was it was just a fun evening. And we had a good time. The, the booth next to me was incredible. They they went out and found all kind of old relics from gas stations and they had it all built out. And so we we had a good time, met lots of, of good prospects. I would say, I think most real estate people are really, they're just in it for a good time. You know, every event you go, networking event with associations, especially people go all out, especially those gala dinners for insulation of board members. People wear gowns, you know, yeah. and tuxedos, like full on, like jewelry and everything. I'm just like, oh my God. Sometimes. They are all about having fun, you know. And the the group I'm involved with, they have all kinds of things going on. They'll have a bed race every year. You have to have a bed on wheels, and you have to push that bed around a track. And you know, whoever gets to the end of it fastest wins. But they just come up with. They have bowling leagues. They have all kinds of things, ways that you can be involved. It's not just about going to a meeting. You can join the bowling league, or maybe if you don't bowl, you can just. Offer to go help, you know, get people registered and give all the prizes and things like that. So real estate people are, I find, typically really fun people. I've never heard of a bet race before. Have you joined one? You probably could use, you know, one of those air mattresses. Can you kind of be creative that way? Because it'll be much easier to push, right, compared to a real bed. Uh, yeah, I guess so. It wouldn't be so heavy. But if you put wheels on it, I mean, you just got to push it down, you know, push it down the track. So I'm not done that one. I've not participated in the bed race as far as actually having you know having a bed there, but it's fun. Sometimes they fall apart, you know. <laughs> like we say, it's about how they like to have a good time. And they raise money. They like raise a lot of money for local charities. So you know, I'm all about supporting that. I love that. And because your family also has a real estate brokerage, do you find a lot of these that way as well? Yes. Uh-huh. I do. You know, we have agents that have listings that need to be staged, but I haven't had any, the mobile homes are almost always investors for me. And we invest, I mean, ourselves, we have a a little LLC and every now and then we'll buy up something and flip it. So that those always get staged, but typically the mobile homes are investors. Do you find any challenges when it comes to working with investors? I would say some of the investors are a little bit stronger in personalities and sometimes they're a little bit more stubborn. Well, you know, typically investors don't want to spend much money because that's going to eat into their return. So, some, I mean, I've done them before that I walked in the door and I thought they didn't do a thing to this mobile home. I mean, the, it wasn't repainted. The, every room was a different color. There were just dings and chips in the wall where you could see the drywall it wasn't drywall it was the walls are different in a mobile home all those we've done some where we ripped down all that and we put drywall up you know to make it just look better 
but typically they don't want to spend money where they don't have to. And the good ones know where they can spend and where they can cut back and what people will do without. So that's a challenge when sometimes I'll say to them, you know, I think you really need to redo the cabinetry in the bathroom or whatever, and they don't want to spend money on it. But, you know, I just try to educate them and tell them bathrooms are important. And the people buying these mobile homes, they want to have that same spa-like experience that regular homeowners might have. And so some of these older ones even will have large bathrooms. We've even taken benches in and put sacks of white fluffy towels and bath bath salts and all of that to make that bathing experience attractive. And that doesn't cost much money, you know, to do that. But, you know, they're very tight with the money. But if it's a nice one, they usually they will go ahead and spend what they need to. Sometimes they'll redo kitchen cabinets and things like that. But usually they try to make it work the way they, they found it. Uh, there's some things they have to redo, like plumbing has to be redone or air conditioners have to be replaced. This kind of things they have to do. Electricity has to be upgraded. So they, they do what they have to do, but typically they don't do a lot more. And that's a challenge. You have to make them look really good through your furnishings. Do you usually do pre-owned mobile homes or do you do new builds as well? I've done all pre-owned ones. People are moving out either, you know, it's in the state that the children are trying to get rid of or they're, they're moving, relocating, and they need to sell this mobile home. I've not done any new ones, although that'd be a great thing to get into. You know, if you could get staging done with some of these mobile home lots, that would be wonderful. Uh, but yeah, all of them I've done have been pre-owned and some of them kind of pre-banged up. Yeah. With the mobile home lots, would they all be the same? Kind of like a new built with large units. You have you just staged kind of like the model mobile home, so to speak. Yeah, they do. But the ones that I've seen the mobile home lots have staged are very cheaply done and they look pretty cheaply done. So I think it would behoove them to bring somebody in like me who has the inventory. And, uh, you know, I think you always want to give your buyer one step, at least one step up. You know, they're they're wanting better than what they have right now. So, you know, and I have more people buying the mobile homes I stage that want my furniture than site-built homes. They will, they always want to quote, would you sell the furniture? And Normally, they they can't buy it. You know, it, it doesn't fit into their budget. But those people want that furniture. So if they're aspiring to a better lifestyle and living situation than they have now currently, and they want the furniture to go with it. Yeah, I think that's that's really human nature. Everyone wants to live in that aspirational lifestyle, right? We're we're kind of selling a dream in a way. We're visual merchandising the real estate market. Yeah, we certainly are. Would you say there are any specific skill sets that the stagers should have before they get into staging mobile homes? Well, I don't know that this would qualify as a skill set, but I will say that you need patience because you may want to do something that the, the investor is not wanting to do and not wanting to spend money on them. And they're the homeowner, you know, at that point. So you, you have to go with them. I think you have to be optimistic because like I had one investor telling me this wasn't a very this was it took a little while to sell it and he said this wasn't a very good home and he was very discouraged and I'm like it is a very good home I don't know what you're talking about you know it, it is an excellent home and somebody will buy it but as you know Cindy sometimes you have one that will just sit there for no good reason 
nobody buys it, but eventually they sell. I think that was like probably the longest I had one on the market. It went the whole three months before they got a buyer. And that was at the, the very last minute. So I think you have to be optimistic. And then I would say you need to have a generous nature because these people don't know anything about good design. They don't know anything about color. So I give away a lot of free information. Like I would, so one guy painted the front door red because he had a quart of red paint left over from the last flip he did. Well, that's no reason to paint this one red. And so I would say something like, you know, I don't know what you're thinking about for your front door, but a blue front door would really look great with the siding that you have on this mobile home. And, and blue is the most universally loved color. So just giving that advice away. Well, they don't know that blue is the most universally loved color, you know, and so they're kind of impressed you know that. And then they start wondering, what else does she know that I don't know, that I need to know? So when you can give those little things away, like I've had them ask me, where should I put the refrigerator? We're gutting the kitchen. And because the old location wasn't good. So, you know, I can give them some help with things like that. And, you know, I don't, for the ones that give me all these mobile homes, I don't charge them anything for that. I want, I want it to work. I want that that home to work for the buyer. So, you know, just give them, be generous with the knowledge that you have. I think, I think that's, that's a good tip. I think it comes down to knowing your potential clients really well, isn't it? Because you know, that's the way that your clients would respond. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's about customer service too. Absolutely. And they know that you're on their side, that it's not all about getting your paycheck, you know, that you have a real interest in getting that home sold and getting it sold to the right buyer, you know, somebody that will really enjoy living there. So I think once they they figure out those kind of things, then they trust you more. Yeah. Would you say the relationship building between investor client versus real estate agent client is a little bit different? Probably because the the agent is all about their seller, right? I mean, that's their loyalty is to their seller. And with an investor, they are the seller. It, it is different. I think in that regard, you might have to, you have to also take into consideration the seller when it's a real estate agent. You know, you want the seller's best interest. But when you're doing uh, an investor, since he is the seller, it goes back to what I was just saying before. You have to be that person that they know, like, and trust, as they say, and they trust what you tell them that, no, you don't need to leave that wall there. You know, we've done taking walls down in mobile homes. And some one of them I did recently, you opened the front door and there was a huge cabinet right in your face to separate the living area from the dining area. I'm like, you need to take that whole cabinet area out. And they did it because I worked with them before. And sometimes they don't see the potential that if you remove things or add things, it's going to be more attractive to the buyer. So the more you work with them, you know, the more they they trust you and realize you've got their back. Whereas an agent has the back of the, of the seller. Yeah, I think that trust factor is incredibly important. No matter who the client is really, but I think with investor in some way is easier because you don't have the agent in between. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And for stagers who want to get into mobile home staging, do you have any advice for them? Well, I would say get connected, get connected with your local real estate association. If you can get involved with a RIA, that's good. And there may be some out there that you don't know about. My investor got me, had me come do a presentation for his little RIA group. There were probably 20 people there that night, but I think they really only have five uh, major investors in there. 
But anytime you can get your, your name and your face out there and, and market yourself to that group, it's great. I would say be involved, be where they are, find out where they are and be there and, and be, you know, open to, to staging mobile homes because it can be a good niche for you to be in there. Yeah, especially with your one investor who sent you 47 jobs last year. I mean, that is incredible. That saved you so much effort on marketing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. And they know the drill, you know, they know how it goes. So it's, it's very easy to work with them now. I just yeah. go look at it. I come back and pull the inventory and go stage it and we're done. Yeah, it does. I think that's a great thing about working with clients who use you over and over again. It just makes it super easy. You're part of their workflow, actually. They know what to exactly, they know what exactly to expect from you in terms of the delivery of the staging service, but also timeline or how you work as a professional. It just makes everyone's life a bit easier. Yes, I have one investor that tells me she, I'm her family. <laughs> she wants me to move to Gainesville. I'm like, but my family is up here. And she'll say, we'll be your family. You are our family. And then another investor tells me, I'm, he considers me a free service because I make him so much more money than he pays me. So he just considers I'm free and you know, calls me up on every one. That's the best testimonial, really. It really is. Yeah. And what would be your number one tip for home stagers when it comes to staging mobile homes? Well, I think you have to think about the buyer and consider that these buyers for these lower price point homes, they're people too, you know, that have the same dreams and hopes for their homes, even though their budget might be smaller. So I would just say, remember, these are not second class citizens. They are people like everybody else that's that's buying a home. And my job is to show them that this home is their dream home and they don't have to go, you know, into a site built home. If this is their budget, let's make it the best that it can be. And that's, that's my job is to show them they can live their dream in that home, even if it is a mobile home. I love that. It's all about being service of our clients. And I really love that. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Eileen. That was incredible. Thank you for having me. I love to talk about what I do and maybe this will help somebody in a more rural community that, might not have all the access to uh, site built homes, that this is an, a, a good opportunity. They could get out there and, and go to staging mobile homes and still have good income. Yeah, I think it's something we never really talk about in the staging industry or in the education space, really, because most people really focus on site built homes, you know, regular yeah. residential homes. And I think mobile homes is a very undertapped market. We never really talk about it. So I'm glad that you're here. You're the first one, the first person I ever met in staging. But I've been in the staging industry for a while now too. You know, you're the first one who really comes out and was just like, yeah, I stage mobile homes. I do a lot of them. And I was like, great, be on my podcast because I haven't met anyone who talks about it. So... Yeah, it's fun. I like it. And like I say, they're people too. And it's it's about servicing your customer and making it easy for them to work with you. You know, for my investor, I want to be, I want them to say she's good and she's so easy to work with. That's a, a big priority for me. And then, you know, the buyers, I want them to say, you know, I love what they've done with this space and totally want to live here. Yeah. And also for those of us, a lot of stagers are in markets, you know, like San Francisco or Chicago, you know, in big cities. 
where we don't really think about these kind of a you know rural areas or countryside where mobile home really is a strong niche to get into. Yeah. And and your and your foot in that door. That's certainly lacking within the stage of education in itself. Yeah. So I, I'm really happy that you're here to talk about it because also a lot of areas in the country, staging is not really accessible to them because there's no home stager within like couple hours or even four hours even. We've gotten emails from home sellers in the countryside. They're just like, we have no assets to stagers whatsoever. Well, I think that's another market, you know, that you could tap into. I mean, it would not be you, you, with the Zoom calls, you know, you could help them. You couldn't truck your inventory all the way across, you know, two hours or four hours or whatever, but you can help them with what they have and help them tell them what they need to put up and or take out. And so you can be helpful in that way. It would be like a consultation, I guess. But you're right. It is, that's a, that's a problem. And like, I'm, I'm the only home stager in my little area. I live in about 40,000 people. I think I'm the only one I know that does it full time. Yeah. So again, it's great that you're here. I'm glad we're talking it's about this. Good to see you and talk to you again. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging.